can't believe that you haven't seen it Love it so much you really gotta stream it Let me tell you every line right now I can quote the whole thing since I was 12 Maybe your mom told you no She said she wouldn't give you any money to go And that's why Movies we missed Hey, hey, hey! Welcome to another episode of Movies We Missed. I am your host, Brandon Greenhouse, and this is my lovely co-host, Jane Hortense Hammer. Jane, how are you doing today? Hortense? Yeah, that's a name. That's a name? Hortense? Absolutely. Is it Hortense Here's a Who? No. Uh, yeah, no, it is. No, that's Horton, but... Yeah, okay. Yeah, is is but Hortense the... a, a traditionally a, a woman's name? Mm-hmm. or It is. Oh, I've heard of like Hortensia. Isn't that a woman's name too? Or does that mean maybe? Something? I mean that you know it sounds like it's a a take on it, but they've always got the same root <laughs> uh, the two names. Yeah, Spanish Inquisition yeah. over here all of a sudden. <laughs> um, well, you know I like you to, don't get uh, to pick your get... name; it's given to you at birth, Jane. That's true. That's so true. So, and... do you have any issues with? You know, I'd say see if you can find that you know the midwife that delivered you and. Um, See if they'll give you some some info. Uh, okay, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I don't understand why my parents um, wouldn't have made the choice for... What is it? Hortense? Hortense. Hortense, okay. Interesting. Anyways, how are you? Uh, I'm doing good. I, I We mentioned it briefly earlier. You look absolutely stunning, though. I, I noted these really pretty <laughs> uh, butterfly clips that you'd rustled up and put in your hair. So... I have these new bangs and I love them, but they're like, sometimes you just want to get them out of your fucking face. Right. And so I could not find my bobby pins, which is normally what I throw in. Um, and I was like, before we started recording, I was like looking furiously in my bathroom cabinet and I (laughs) came across this like bag of like a hundred butterfly clips that I bought on Amazon for a nineties party. Like, three years ago and I think I use like less than a handful of them and I just still have them but like what am I gonna do with them so you look good well <laughs> like that's the headline um, is that is is this what the kids are doing today because I know the 90s are back are they wearing butterfly clips do I don't know? keep track of the youth yeah um, I do know that they're sort of um, they're sort of at this point left to their own devices. I was just reading very briefly. I literally read the headline and started rolling my eyes and I got stuck in the back of my head. But I saw that <laughs> Bella Hadid did an interview where she um, lamented about the state of the world because she's been having a style herself, she said, for the last two years. And it's been causing a lot of anxiety for her having to go out in public without, you know, oh her outfits being, God. you know, curated. I would um, love if we could just take a moment for Bella Hadid and her struggles. Absolutely. Because yeah. If there's anybody who deserves to hear from us in this moment with, um, you know, our words of support, um, I'd love to extend those words. Gigi, to, to Bella, Gigi, Yolanda. Bella, the brother, I think his name is Anwar. Um, that checks out, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I just hope God, they're doing all right in this whole thing. I'm going to brought some okay. um, kombucha for them. Yeah, and just like I hope, <laughs> I mean, I hope all of their separate mansions are are okay, and that yeah. they're well heated and well lit, and have um, those floors. Yeah, make sure electricity those are good. and you know, 
Um, I hope all of their numerous refrigerators are filled with the delicacies that they're used to having, you know, and 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 um, I know there's been a huge disturbance in the supply chain, and I just hope that hasn't um, messed with them getting their delicacies from wherever I, they need. I did watch uh, one of those Day in the Life videos, and it was Yolanda Hadid, and her meal was just like, it was nothing. Her like her daily like intake was just nonsense. It was like some it was like some boiled vegetable. It was like borscht and like some tea. And I was just borscht? like, this isn't getting you through the whole day, girl. Like the classic Russian. No, it was just no. It was just like it was it was a boiled fantasy, is what it was. And she was just like, yeah, I boil this up and like I eat this, and then I've got some broth, you know, on the back burner, and that's for later. Don't want to over you know be oversatiated but you know and it was just like what this is your whole like like how are you not just like tipping over um <laughs> well and also i mean she's got that lyme disease so she's gotta like you know you gotta keep an eye is, on that from what i hear yeah um is in trouble anyway so I hope yeah she's i'm well. i wonder if like if I, you know, should have been so lucky to have dated one of the Hadid gals, mm-hmm. I wonder if, like, I would have found myself just puttering around their mansions all the time looking for food. I feel like they would have been you really be annoyed so with hungry. me <laughs> because I would have been trying to rustle up something. <laughs> and they would have been, like, come, me coming back from the grocery store with, like, smoked ham hocks and them just being like, what? <laughs> what is that, sir? It's um, like, I'm about to cook. <laughs> and you're about to watch. <laughs> yeah, we're throwing down. I put your, I put you a little bit of ham water, uh, some bouillon, uh, mm. and some and some some boiling water on the back burner. So whenever you're ready to, you know, get I'm to sure they're town. fully plant based, don't you think? No, you're probably right. Ham water, ham water. No, probably just some vegetable stock. Maybe I'd yeah. probably do something really nice. Just some warm. Or maybe I make like a mirepoix and just serve that to them in a bowl, and they'd probably mm. be like. Mm, this is good. <laughs> Why are they accented? Oh, I, that was more Yolanda I was going for there. When I say oh. date one of the Hadids, I literally was just thinking about me dating Yolanda Hadid. I, like, skipped right over the, the daughters, you know? I like them a like, little bit. I wonder um, because uh, you're in the, like... I like them a little bit more vintage, you know? Who would be age-appropriate for you? Certainly the kids are on way too young, but don't you think Yolanda's a little bit old for you? Yeah, I mean, probably, but I guess optically, that's probably a better situation for me, and she's probably more my speed. I'm sure she goes to bed at, like, a reasonable hour, and we can complain sure about our ailments. I'm sure you guys have a lot more in common. <laughs> yeah, we do. As our producer, Dave, points out, age is a mindset, Jane. I actually have no idea how old the Hadids are, but... I, I um, think the kids are, like, in their mid to early 20s. Which means that they're actually, because I'm young as fuck, as everybody knows, <laughs> they're probably closer to my age, I'd say, than, like, their mom. Uh, right. Yeah. But like, yeah. But Gigi's 26. I, they are closer in your age, uh, closer in age to you than Yolanda would be. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but, Yolanda's 58, but, so. But you yeah. would have a better time with Yolanda, I know. You. Oh, absolutely. I just want to hear stories <laughs> about, I'm sure she's got some great stories about, like, run-ins with Halston. And like, I'd love to hear her hear thoughts it, on Catherine McPhee. She had it all. You don't know that song. I sang it like anybody knows it but me. What um, song is it? It was a it was a song when she cut her hair and went blonde and was trying to trick everybody into thinking she wasn't who she is and <laughs> hoping they'd buy those albums and. Whoa! So nobody you bought-, bought it, but I didn't buy the album. I mean, I think I found it on like you know 
on Napster or somewhere. <laughs> procured a <laughs> procured a listen for myself. Um, I think I think Catherine McPhee's McPhee's time was well after Napster. <laughs> uh, I mean, there was a period where a lot of the, the 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 young the young ones had stopped using it, but I was still peeking around on there and looking for scraps. Well, I definitely had my time with LimeWire, but do you think oh, the kiddies? Sure. Do you think the kiddies know what Napster is? Like, are yeah, they know. Generation, yeah, are yeah I think that, yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I just want to make sure. So, I just want to make sure we cover cultural references. No, you're you're absolutely for right. All um, age groups, because we <clears throat> we have a pretty specific age group that listens to our podcast, but we do have some people on the younger side. Yeah, we do. Um, no, Napster was like the first real like streaming service that was, I'd say legal adjacent um you wouldn't want to categorize it it was it was much like jenna maroney it was legal-ish um and <laughs> and um you really you really wouldn't want to it wasn't speaking streaming it was downloading you would download was, music for free you could download music for free um and it wasn't something oh my god this is so funny because we were talking in a class about like we we're talking about um, just like racism in general and like coded racism and like veiled racism, whatever. And there was like this whole push in like the late 90s, early aughts to like stop people from downloading music. So there was like, God, I have to find the commercial and show you. But it was this guy, I forget his name, but it was these like anti-pirating commercials that they put out like PSAs. And it was this black guy who I'm sure was just a struggling actor in LA who they got to be this rapper. And it was just like... No, you know, it was him like rapping to the camera about how like it's not cool to pirate, and it's like he's like in a trench and like these black sunglasses doing his best tone log, yeah. and you're, and um, <laughs> it's just awful. But then like they did like a sequel, like they did a follow up to, it and they brought him back like a couple years later, and they did one. But the commercial is like it's got all of these like racial undertones because it's like he's black and he's doing the rap, and then we've got this group of kids pirating. It's like this, it's two like Asian kids, it's like one Latinx girl and then a black guy, and they're. They're all like pirating this music and oh like, my god it's just it's just so it's so inappropriate That's and so gross and so oh that god. was really funny but i but i meant to tell you also while we're talking about it so a big event that happened this week is that dave told me that he had never seen the first wives club before and I like what? I know, I know. How have you been doing this podcast for this long? I don't, and that has never fucking come up. I'm sorry, I just got like indignant. Dave, we've talked about it on. I think, oh but God. I don't think we have talked about it because I think it was a foregone conclusion that me and you had both seen it multiple times, probably together. And yeah. so, like, I just think we just well, no, you're right. We talked about it because I talked about how that was a movie I went to see because I thought it was going to be about a group of sassy presidents' wives. Exactly, and that's on the podcast and. Dave was never like, hey, I've never seen that movie. I think he just like knew he didn't see it, but he, we never got around to it. And I've seen it like on streaming platforms, and I but I never brought it up because I just assumed. And I said the other night, I said, hey, I was like, you've seen the first Wives Club, right? And he said, nope. And I was like, <gasps> and then we watched it like the next day. Um, oh my god! And uh, it, it spoiler alert, it holds up. Of course, like, it does. It's a great movie, and I haven't um, watched it in a really long time. But of course, it does. You know my. I'm I mean, you've seen my house. My wife has an has uh, your wife has um yeah a wonderful poster of the first wives club signed by all the gals. Um, yeah. it's amazing. And, I mean, it's a little too big for my taste. <laughs> First time Jane said that. <laughs> 
but I love. I mean, it's it's a cool. It's a very cool thing to have. It's wonderful. It. No, it's and, great. I love it. I think it's yeah. a really it's a really it wonderful a, item to own. It is. It is. I just wish our house was a little bigger, so it didn't seem so big within our house. But <laughs> we're poor. So, Jane, anyways, I have a quick question for you though before we move on. Yeah. So okay. the fourth, famously the the fourth first wife, um, is played by the legendary Stalker Channing. Mm-hmm. Um, she's the friend who um, makes an early exit, so to speak, in the movie. Um, <laughs> do you think that it's when Stalker was called by her, like you know her her agent and like sent the scripts and everything, and she was like, "Oh my god!" Like she reads it, she's like, "Oh my god, I love you. Don't owe me." Like we have a big dance number at the end. I've already called like. <laughs> I've already called my former um, my former choreographer from Greece. Um, uh, my goal is to get back into those Rizzo pants, uh, and I am I'm ready to give it a go. Um, and then they were like, "Oh no, Mama! You know the great thing about this is it's going to be a real one and done in and out stitch for you. And you like, are going to have so much free time. You're going to have so much free time while still collecting a check. I'm sure it's all sizable. about you, though. That's the really great thing is it's all about you and. So you're there, but you're in a way where you're not, you know? Right. And your presence is felt in almost every scene, but you don't have to wake up early for call times or be in hair and makeup for hours or and she's just like well I mean she's like I just know I could like sink my teeth into like the Elise part and they're just like <laughs> yeah teeth already sank into it though um, we've got Goldie on the hook for that so it's taken care of and she's like well Brenda I can I can play acerbic I've done it before um, well we we're sure you have um, I've been in you know interviews with you so I know you're capable of it but uh, we got old bet for that. So um, we're going to just, you know, gently put you into this other role. And um, we can't wait to see what you do with it. And then she's just like, well, there are worse things I could do. So um, I'll take it on. Well done. Well done. Thank you. For those of you who don't know, we're going to spoil a movie that came out in, what, 96? Yeah, yeah. You should have seen it by now. <laughs> Uh, st- the stalker stalker chanting character um, dies very early on in the movie, if that wasn't clear. But I think um, it was. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, so, <laughs> Jane, um, yeah. I I gave you uh, a movie to watch this week. Um, you did. I gave you a 1996's uh, Martin Lawrence joint, uh, mm-hmm. A Thin Line Between Love and Hate. Mm, you did. You did. Do you want to go ahead and read your synopses so that we can um, get going? You know what? Let's just start at the beginning. That's always a good place, <laughs> as I've heard. <laughs> a um, very good place to start. <laughs> well played, Jane. Um, so let's uh, <clears throat> let me get to that place and give it a go. Darnell Wright has it all. A great job as a club manager of Chocolate City, one of the hottest nightclubs in town. He takes full advantage of his profession and regularly woos a bevy of beautiful women. But none of them compare to childhood crush Mia, who has just returned home from a stint of military service abroad. I guess she's kind of the one that got away. More like the one who didn't get played. Mia's always seen through Darnell's playboy antics and kept him firmly in the friend zone, perhaps hoping deep down inside that he'd one day become the man she'd need him to be if they were ever to become anything more. Darnell would really have to get his act together to win Mia's heart. Well, he'd also have to burn that little black book and bid his onslaught of romantic paramours adieu. After all, none of them have ever kept his attention for too long. Until 
he meets the posh and sophisticated Brandy Webb, a beautiful real estate mogul who has her choice of any man she wants and has no designs on our lovable Lothario. As far as Brandy's concerned, Mr. Wright is Mr. Wrong. She rebuffs a litany of attempts made by Darnell to woo her until he quite literally wears her down. Brandy is guarded at first, but as she lets her walls down, it becomes clear that she has been wounded by her past entanglements, including an abusive husband she claims to have killed in self-defense. It's fine, though. Darnell hasn't tricked her into sleeping with him by claiming to be in love with her after she very clearly divulges to him her fragile mental state and the fact that she's in no position to be wronged by a hapless playboy. <laughs> oh, wait. That's exactly what dummy Darnell does. But, but okay, Darnell didn't put all of his energy into getting into Brandy's sheets to win a $20 bet with R&B singer Bobby Brown. Oh, that's fucked up. I mean, I know Brandy is supposed to be our villain, but the more I think about it, the more blurred that space between good and bad becomes, and the thinner that line between love and hate gets. <laughs> True words have never been spoken. Thank you. Thank you, Jane. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this was a fun movie to like rewatch and have those moments where I was like, huh? Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, oh, the older you get, the things that you notice. Like, I remember as a child watching this movie and being like, she's crazy. And like, as an adult, sure, it's sure. like, there's so much more that you're taking stock of when you watch things. And it's like, you watch it now and you're like, okay, we'll talk about it. <laughs> yeah. It was really funny because as this movie was unfolding, I was thinking about how you were watching it. Like, cause I thought I, I, I assumed it had been a long time since you had seen it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I wonder what his experience of watching this now, because I, so like, the whole like crazy ex girlfriend thing. Um, I think he makes a reference to Fatal Attraction at some point or whatever. Um, is is done a lot in movies and real life. I mean, it's always like a red flag to me when I'm um, here from a you know cis hat man that his ex girlfriend or ex wife is crazy. Crazy. She's yeah. crazy. And it's like, okay, buddy, what did you do? And it's when she when Brandy like captures um, Darnell at, in her own house. Well. I mean, he shows up for it, but whatever. Um, (laughs) The speech that she gives to him, I was like, she keeps it. She was like, "Um, you are a total fucking womanizer. You think that, like, we need your ass. We don't need you. We don't need your money. We don't need your attention. Like, you treat us like shit, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I was, I was like. Yeah, this all makes sense. I was like, the only thing that makes this crazy is the fact that, like, you're wielding a gun and pointing it at his face. I mean, it's so true. Like, okay, so, like, I mean, you've gotten the gist of the of the plot of the movie. Like, Darnell's a playboy. He goes after, you know, he pursues Brandy despite her multiple attempts to, to rebuff him. Um, and he keeps going after her. He finally wins her over after basically lying to her face and telling her that he's in love with her. And then... You know, after sleeping with her and like sort of like having this this brief relationship, he decides to set his attentions on Mia. You know, obviously Brandy is played.
played by the legendary, beautiful, iconic Lynn Whitfield. Mia is played by the equally legendary, beautiful, iconic Regina King. Um, and Martin Lawrence plays Darnell. And so it's like... <laughs> the funny... Martin yeah, it's like, the funny I'm Martin Lawrence is the irresistible, <laughs> irresistible to, to these two like gorgeous like, women, supermodel, <laughs> and they have to have him. Um, so like, and then like, there's a turn, and then all of a sudden, Brandy like as they as they as they make it seem in the movie, something quote unquote snaps, and you know, Brandy uh, feels you know in some way like like she's got to have him and then there's sort of this personality switch and then she starts basically making his life a living hell through you know a series of events and it's him sort of trying to get away from her and have this relationship with like you know the good girl from next door and um and it's like me as the girl that got away years ago and he's done with Brandy and she like can't handle it. So that's the whole movie is her the unraveling and it culminates in like him showing up at, you know, her home after, you know, something that she's done. And then that's where the big denouement happens and the big like, you know, the big fight scene and everything. Um, so that's sort of where we're going with it. So, OK, so this movie is uh, Martin Lawrence's directorial debut, I believe mm-hmm. um, it it was released April 3rd, 1996. Uh, made on a budget of $8 million and it made $34.5 million at the box office. So this is a hit. I mean, yeah. you know, especially by like mid-90s uh, standards. And mm-hmm. um, Martin Lawrence was 30 years old at the time of this movie. Bobby Brown was Damn. like... My, no, Bobby Brown was 26. Oh my God. Yeah. It's so... That's so crazy because it's just like I see them in this movie and I don't think, oh, this is young Martin Lawrence and young Bobby Brown. I just think like those are people who are always older than me. But Oh, for sure. No. They're like significantly younger than me. Regina King was 25. Oh my God. And Lynn Whitfield was 43 and looks like... And looks like what? 20. She was yeah. 43? Yeah. yeah. Oh my God, that's rude. She yeah. looks amazing at 43. Yeah. She's so, she's such a beautiful actress. Like, mm-hmm. I, like, she's one of those people that you just can get lost staring at because she has the most insane bone structure. It's, and it's just like, it's wowza. baffling. I feel the same way about Regina King. Oh, her, she's, Regina King is stunning. Her eyes are like, Captivating. They're like, like the most beautiful shade of like. It's like a honey. It's like an amber color. Yeah, whatever yeah, it no. is, they're so, is beautiful. so beautiful. No, I mean, yeah. and she. Not to mention, incredibly talented and like absolutely in, in absolutely everything. She's had but, one of the most fascinating careers too. Like her ascent, like later in her career, has just been so interesting to watch because it's mm-hmm. like. You know, it's like funny, like I, I, Sean, our friend Sean, we were talking to Sean at one point about, um, Regina King came up in conversation. I was like, you know, Regina King is like, yeah, I know her. He's like, she's like that actress who like is everywhere now. And like came out of nowhere. I was like, well, yeah, but I was like, she's been around for like 40 years. She's been acting for 40 years. She did not come out of But I mean, but her, but she's been consistently acting like Jerry Maguire, like everything. But I feel like Mm -hmm. it's like, but her like, but her like ascent to like a list, I feel like has happened in like the last, like couple of years in this really interesting way. Yeah. And she's, yeah, she's also like the most decorated, uh, black, like the most, she's won the most Emmy awards of a black 
uh, actress. And, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, like, That's and that all amazing. happened. That was like in like the 2010s. All of a sudden, she got like a part on like an American Crime, like the show on ABC. She won an Emmy. It was like, and then I was like this like um, after that, it was like the wheel was rolling, and all of a sudden, it was like she was really just like hitting her stride. And then of course, she won the Oscar for if Bill Street could talk, and she's just you know she's been everywhere since then, and she's incredible, and I yeah. I just love her. Um, I, I it's always like I. I feel like she's the kind of person where it's like she pops up in all these things and really has since, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, probably the late 80s, yeah. early 90s. Mm-hmm. And you're always like, OK, this is going to at least be that good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's going to oh, be sure. like good enough. You know what I mean? Yes. And so you feel like you're in good hands with her. I feel like. I totally agree. No, yeah. she is. Um, She's really she's really wonderful. And um, yeah. So, I mean, this whole movie, I mean, it starts with like this se- the series of like pop pop up visits by like Darnell, played by Martin Lawrence, as he like, you know, hits the town sort of like wooing, you know, lightly, very lightly wooing like a series of women, which is basically like him him handing out like, I guess what the equivalent of like bottle services to like these women, like VIP. <laughs> and, oh my God, yeah. this montage where he's running through the city, seeing all his honeys as he refers to them. And he says this line, which I immediately clinched the fact that I was like, oh, I'm not going to like this character. (laughs) One of his first lines is, if God wanted women to be happy, he would have made all men like me. And I was like, first of all, I mean... I know. I knew as soon as that line was delivered, I knew what they were doing. They're setting this up so that, like, he comes off as, like, an arrogant jerk and then has, like, a redemption moment within the movie. But I was just like, oh, God, I gotta live through this. Him, like, running around being, like, horrible to women, which I'm sure it was fun. I didn't love how he grabbed the woman and started kissing her at the dry cleaners. <laughs> like, this oh, yeah. Isn't- Work. I understand that you might be dating her, but that was too much. But it was the '90s, Jane, and you know, and everything. Men, went, I, guess. I mean, that's sort of like the over the over our all like storyline that like Dave and I sort of talked about it after the movie. Like, there's like you know, there's him as this playboy. He's floating around. He has these like his sort of central relationships are a relationship with his sister, um, mm-hmm. played by Melinda Williams, and then a relationship with his mother, played by the legend Della Reese. Mm-hmm. And um, she's wonderful. It was. Wonderful. To see her. I had no it, was this. it was so yeah. She's really great. Yeah. Um, um, and by an angel, by an icon, <laughs> touched by an icon. <laughs> All right. Well, you need to talk to Brian Singer's people then, because um, he's gonna stop. <laughs> so um, <laughs> we're not giving Brian Singer icon status. I resent. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't want him going anywhere. I don't want him showing. And also, up. I don't think I'm his brand. If you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I don't want him showing up at like. I don't know, Nobu, and somebody being like, the icon. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure someone is doing that, like, right now. (laughs) X-Man, more like, yes, man. Um, so, so we see that like he he is he does have these relationships. One thing I note really early in the movie is is that like Martin's character Darnell he's he's very like protective of his younger of his younger sister, Mm -hmm. and um. 
and it's just like Erica, that's her name, her character's name. But he's very protective of her, and she's like preparing for prom, and he's like, he's got all these issues with like her prom date because he knows like the prom date's older brother to be like a playboy. And it's like, I just love that these these men who like womanize women and treat them poorly and like, you know, have multiple, you know, ensnarements and like they have no issue with like you know treating women in their personal lives one way and then expecting for like you know and placing like their like sisters and cousins and mothers on like this pedestal and it's just like oh so she doesn't get mistreated you don't want her to end up with a dude pulling the bullshit you're pulling on everybody in town it's so obnoxious because it's like this is the thing that like men who are like this do this and I think like we are it's something that's talked about a lot more but there's also like this weird like I have to protect the women in my life Um, and so like as if like we can't he can't trust his younger sister to make choices about the men that she spends time with or what she does with her body also or what she does with her body it's like you know men who like pose with their daughter and like their daughter's prom date with like a gun and it's like this is like so unhinged like your precious daughter can't like make choices about her own body or, or her own you know who she spends time with because it makes you uncomfortable but like how are you treating the other other women in your life it's this like weird cycle of like our precious women and the uh, but then like you know you have to be related to a woman to understand or to like care about how they're treated you know what I oh mean? no for sure i feel like it has a lot to do with like this sort of like fear that a lot of these men have of like universal like karmic retribution for like the ways that they behave they almost feel like because they know of all of the the shitty things they've done there's this like irrational fear that like the universe is going to somehow get back at them by like going after their loved ones or like this fear that their like loved ones are going to end up with a person as who, who treats women as shitty as they do it's like so it's like it's that's like what it seems to always stem from for me with like characters like this and people like this in real life but mm-hmm. I think you're totally right and, and we also we get you know and when the first scenes with his mother we get the title the title of the movie um it, where yep. the she looks at him and she says what she says uh, what she says a night she says uh what does she say uh a night of uh, i think she says a night of passion will bring you a lifetime of pain there's a thin line between love and hate darnell and mm-hmm. uh i'm always here for a character delivering the, the um, yeah the, the name, name of the, the movie. movie yeah within a i always it's know so, i'm so in, good I'm in good hands, you know, and I feel kind of cheated if I don't get it. Well, you always like there's always that moment like whenever you're watching a movie with someone where you like turn to that person and you're like they said it. They said they said they Oh, said absolutely. <laughs> if you don't get it, then you're sort of like what are we then doing? Then you're like here? this movie was a waste of time. I want my money back. Do you think that um, Meryl Streep ever actually says Sophie's choice in Sophie's choice? I've never seen Sophie's choice. I have and I don't remember her ever taking a moment to say it was Sophie's choice. I was Sophie. You know. <laughs> we definitely did not hear Babs say, the mirror has two faces this time. <laughs> like I, No, we didn't. And I, I listened out for that because I thought, how can we... How can we get that into the script? How can we get it in? Did, did anybody ever say Titanic and Titanic? Absolutely. The word? It was the name of the ship. Okay. So that was a bad example. <laughs> but yeah, it happens sometimes in movies. Um... What about Bridget Jones' diary? Do you think they ever say... There was that one moment where 
he Daniel comes over to her desk and he opens up the top drawer and he grabs like her that was journal. That was, that Mr. was Mark Darcy. There was Mark Darcy and he grabs a journal and it's locked and she comes in the room and she goes, uh-uh, Playboy. That's Bridget Jones's diary. <laughs> and I think that may have just been in the the Divalicious Director's Cut, but <laughs> Divalicious Director's Cut. But I remember thinking Who directed that it. version? Um, I think Quincy Jones may have had a had a hand in it. <laughs> I would have um, watched it while he was spilling the tea. Um, <laughs> okay, one thing down. one thing we do need to talk about though. Yes. So while we're roasting Darnell Wright, this like like really crappy to women character, uh, a night of I think she says a night of passion will bring you a lifetime of pain. There's a thin line between love and hate, Darnell. Remember, he just knows that she's showing up at the club and well I don't think it's the first time but he sees her at the club the second time and she's like in this like sequin number she looks amazing she's got this like white sort of like chiffon scarf and she's dancing and having a good time <laughs> she's there for like two minutes and then bounces which I think is really funny because that outfit and that hair and that makeup would have taken like all together three hours to get ready um but he doesn't get her information so what he does is he writes down her license plates plate number and somehow tracks her down that way and i'm just like we graze over this so quickly and like show he shows up at her office and it's like he does so many things that like if any if uh, my friend was sitting down and being like so this guy really likes me and like i'm not really sure how i feel about it and he keeps showing up i never told him my name i never gave him my phone number but he obviously has contacts within like the police department who are um, you know using their access to knowledge inappropriately and he (laughs) gave him my name and found out where I work and is now showing up I would be like oh my god this is the scariest situation you could be in like you need to like go into witness protection program we need to report this like you are not safe and (laughs) it's so many times like within these movies in like the 80s 90s or whatever like this is supposed to be like charming because he like really wants to find her and I was just watching this whole thing go down horrified by it well that was like I mean that 2020 lens um it's like (laughs) these moments where it's like by the way we are in 2022 thank you I keep forgetting it. I barely remember it was 2021. I keep thinking it's 2020. And it's just because that's the last time, you know. Anything mattered. Anything mattered. I mean, that was when people finally started being like, Black Lives maybe matter. Um, But so, like, it, it is funny to watch these films that, like, we watch when it's like, oh, it's so, you know, it reminds me of that reductress um that reductress article title where um, where they're like, you know, it reali- you know, girl realizes that every funny story from her grandmother's childhood is actually an assault tale. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> and it's like looks at grandfather. <laughs> and it's like, it couldn't be more true. It's like, your grandpa liked me so much. And I remember when he climbed into my bedroom window and he ripped my sheets off my bed and he jumped on the bed and he said, gosh, dog it, maybe I'm going to marry you. And I just looked at him. And, and I'm going like, to take what's mine, I'm baby. Gonna take- 
what's mine. My my paw had told him no, and he just he threw me over his shoulder, and you know, once it was consummated, of course, Daddy gave the green light. Uh, well, I was ruined. There was nothing I could do. No man would ever want me. So that's how I met your granddaddy. And for a woman to say no back then to anything a man requested was very gauche. So I just sort of. You know, I flopped there and, you know, it became what it became. So funny, huh? He really wanted me. It's 60 years of tolerance. And it's like, hey, Gam Gam, can we have a quick trauma conversation? Uh, I'd love for you to meet my therapist over Zoom. You kids and your newfangled language. My God. Anything that happens, you want a Band-Aid. You're out here marching, and it just it don't make no kind of sense to me. I went through all sorts of stuff. It's like, yeah, us us going after what we're going after doesn't negate the fact that, like, you haven't dealt with your trauma. Um, and, like, passed it down. It's called generational trauma for a reason. Yeah, it's like, you've been white-knuckling it through life for decades. And I'm so sorry. And the things like, that happened to me shouldn't have happened to me, but the things that happened to you also shouldn't have happened to you. You've just never called them what they are. So that's really what the difference is. Tomato, tomato, let me go check on the pork chops. <laughs> Um, it's funny because it's true. It's funny uh, because it's painful. Let him know. So yeah, she shows up at the club. She looks absolutely stunning. She's in this like sequin number. This is so she so so Martin's character Darnell and his friend T played by Bobby Brown. The two of them are outside. They see Bobby her B. Walk- Bobby B. They see her walking out of this like boutique with these bags. She's in this like she's impeccably dressed and like some she's like she's got money. You she's got her. money. She's getting into this limo. She's wearing probably like Chanel or something. And remember how much of a status symbol it was to drive around in a limo in like the eighties and nineties? Oh, absolutely. People do not do that nowadays. That's like not a status symbol, but it really was back then. I would. I can, you know, see, this is one of the reasons why I think that a lot of, like, people around our age should really just be gifted money. Like, people that grew up in this generation because we would hit them with that, like, that 90s vibe. Like, I would get a lot. I'd get a Kangol. And I get, you know, I've uh, already got the butterfly clips in my hair. Jane has the butterfly clips in her hair. We should get some really. I guess it's um, more two thousands though. Yeah, but you'd get some really sparkly lip gloss and put that on. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'd be overzealous with the eyeshadow, and um, <laughs> we'd get Jane one of those little schoolgirl dresses and some jellies, and um, <laughs> we'd. What know, are, what are, what am I doing here? <laughs> What are you? What am I doing in a schoolgirl dress? What? What? Fi- I want. I want you to answer to me and tell me what picture you're painting right now. Look, uh, <laughs> you don't want to look at. Just look at the sum. The sum's greater than the parts. Um, we put it together in this really age-appropriate way, um, but uh, it'd be great. <laughs> Um, I I have a movie-related thing that I can bring up. Okay, yeah. Okay, so one of the times where um, Darnell shows up at Brandy's work unannounced um, to woo her, and it doesn't go well, and they call security, whatever, he, like, is struggling, and he breaks, like, a glass, like, sculpture. This is, like, a small The Lalique. Yeah, and she goes, this is Lalique! And I was like... 
if I didn't have certain people in my life, I would have no idea what that meant. And it really made me, like, joyful because I was like, okay, I know what Lalique is. It's like a fancy glass maker and it's very expensive. The only reason why I know that is Patrick Thomas Carney. Lynn Whitfield is just, like, a a person, though, also, who, like, I know of just as an actress. And she's... Mm -hmm. I'm sure a very reasonable and rational person, unlike this character, but she's a wonderful actress, but she's also just a fabulous person. Mm-hmm. So it's like, she strikes me as the type of person who who had all knowledge of, like, everything, and it wouldn't even surprise me if she had, like, had a hand in picking out, like, her, as Dave just pointed out, yeah, she exudes opulence. She yeah, just, absolutely. like, she just has, strikes me as a person who personally has impeccable taste, so it wouldn't even surprise me if Martin was like, we need something real nice for, like, you know, he's got to knock something over, and she came in, I- and she was like, well, well, Mr. Lawrence, that wouldn't be the item. Um, I could bring in a piece of Lalique. Um, I was like, I, I was thinking to myself, like, I bet she like ad libbed it. <laughs> and then that that like, wouldn't, yeah, that wouldn't surprise Lalique. me. Say something yeah. fancy, and she was like, got it. Um, <laughs> at the ready, <laughs> exactly. It's like also I want to point out at the nightclub as well. There's there's a lot of this is one of those movies with lots of really great like. Uh, pop-up appearances by people who went on to become huge stars. One mm-hmm. of them is Tracy Morgan. Yes. And I turned to Dave and I said, what's his last name? Because I couldn't what? stop writing down. I, I, I kept writing Jordan down. I was like, it's Tracy Jordan. Tracy Jordan, yeah. And I was like, and Dave was like, it's because it's because reality and, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> and fantasy got a little too blended with that character. And I was like, you're absolutely right. <laughs> there's also this moment, there's this moment where Tracy Morgan is at the bar and <laughs> the only line he really he says is get out of the way so the drunk motherfuckers could sit down and <laughs> it just made me really happy because <laughs> uh, it's like there are those moments where you're like did, were the cameras just rolling did they just capture Tracy Jordan Tracy Morgan oh Tracy my god Tracy Morgan getting well, in that's character the thing too is like his voice is so distinct and it's so like it's just like he is he's absolutely the most, like, one of the most identifiable, like, comedians and actors ever, just because his voice and his mannerisms are always similar, and they're so, like, on brand for his brand, which is himself. And so so it was fun to see him in this before he was, like, you know, super The huge, you know, star that we know him to be. Yeah, Um, like a young little baby. But yet it's, somehow still an old man. He's but somehow one of still yeah, faces. curmudgeon. <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's funny too because like so so we have the moment at the beginning when he first when they first Darnell first sees Brandy. She's getting into the car, coming out of like some boutique. Um, she's not interested. Bobby Brown's actually the one who approaches her first, and mm-hmm. you know, and she's not into it. He calls her like baby girl or something, and she's like, "I'm not your baby girl." And then like Martin sort of I slips in, and then it's like that's where like he's sort of hooked in. And as far as like he gives her he gives her this card, like a, a card for the nightclub, his business card, and basically tells her to stop by and she actually does end up showing up and that's a scene that Jane mentioned earlier she looks beautiful her hair is like really in these really beautiful loose curls and she's gotten this fabulous like sequin dress that's like one of those 90s dress dresses but it's one of those dresses that like everybody would be gagging if like Ariana Grande showed up in it at like the Grammys or something like it, it, it's like vintage now and it's like it, it's a but it's like a really fabulous it dress. felt like Versace-esque to me it did it did. It gave me Versace vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, she's wearing this. And and then she, like, when she leaves the club, I rewound it. Because she literally, like, she floats out of the club. Mm-hmm. She, like, she's going towards the exit. And she's got this really alluring, mysterious air to her. And she sort of slips out. And so mm-hmm. this is, like, the 
Second time we see her, he once again approaches her. She says, I'm not interested. What she actually says is, I don't, I think the actual line is, I don't know what you're selling, but I'm not buying. Mm -hmm. And then she slips out of the club. And then that's when he writes on her license plate. Then is the other scene that Jane mentioned. He shows up then at her office after stalking her and finding out where where her office is. He shows up at her office unannounced with like these flowers that she doesn't want. And she's in the middle of a business meeting and she's on the phone with someone and he comes in the room and he's like, tell him you'll call him back. And I guess what he thought would be like this sexy I don't know like authoritative authoritative like I, like total disrespect for her and her like business that she's created that she runs that she's in charge right. of it's like who are it's you it's literally called brandy web properties like <laughs> and it's like he showed up at like her office suite and she has him sent out by security and then after this mm-hmm. he he pretends to be a prospective buyer at like shows up at this like mil- million dollar mansion she comes to the the um the showing to to show the property uh, thinking that she's going to be meeting like a serious buyer and it is once again he gets out of the limousine and it is Darnell and you know he puts her through her paces makes her do the full like you know sh- you know show song and dance of going into the property showing all the rooms she says at one point like you've seen every square inch of this house it's a huge like you know um spanish style like, like mediterranean no style mansion about wasting her damn time it's just that it's like you've wasted it's all of her time so she's clearly this important woman and it's like yeah. and then he and then he gives her like another one of those lalit crystals it's on a mantle in the, the final room they go into which is the bedroom and she's like where'd this come from and he's like oh i got it for you and like that's supposed to impress her and she's like and also like how did you get into the house to plant this like <laughs> lolly? Yeah, someone's been working overtime. Thing. Um, yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's also like the thing too that's sort of frustrating is it's like you're more like, and also at this point there has already been mention of like this little bet that he has with T, his friend T, who first met her with him, and like Bobby comments Bobby. that T has made about like Bobby Brown, Bobby. Um, <laughs> comments that Bobby Brown Bobby, has made Bobby. to him of like, oh, you couldn't get her. And he's like, oh, I can. And T basically says, I bet you $20 you couldn't. Um, it's like, oh, it's $20. Like, well, okay, call me she's all that because I don't think this bet's going to end well. Right. What in the Freddie Prince Jr. is going on here? Ugh, you um, did it better than me. It was like I tried to do one of your things and I didn't, it didn't really make sense the way that I did it. I actually didn't think that that really was great either what I did because I was But it was like, better, but it made sense. You know what would have been better if, if, if we had said... Um, for one reason or another, she's Rachel Lee hooked. <laughs> That's God like, damn you, Brandon. It's like cleaner, <laughs> but it's also too late because nobody yeah. wants a nobody wants a Tuesday evening quarterback. Am I right? <laughs> Right? Wednesday? Yeah. Mid- midday quarterback? Um, so, uh, Ash Wednesday <laughs> quarterback? Um, is it a Monday quarterback? Because isn't football on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, isn't football's every day now, though, isn't it? I don't care. Um, (laughs) Monday morning quarterback, Dave just screened through my... Okay. Our our resident bro, um, David, has just kept us informed. That's why we love him. 
Um, he doesn't like I called him a bro, but I love you. You're still okay. Don't worry. Um, so yeah, so all of this is happening, and he's this twenty dollar bet has been made because that's what she's worth apparently. Um, and while all of this is going on, we've got this other plot line happening, which is Mia. This is like the childhood, like you know, crush the childhood love of like Darnell. They think Regina King. They grew up in the same neighborhood. She's been in the military, and she shows up back home she's in between well she's debating whether or not she wants to re-enlist basically she's come to the end of her uh, initial service and um she's apparently from you know the way that he's behaving she's grown up a lot obviously since she left and um it seems like they didn't necessarily have a relationship like they were close friends who maybe almost had something but they never did it sounds like they had like a flirtation like a flirtation flirtation. but they but it seems like also the foundation of their relationship was like a really close friendship that never really completely blossomed in anything more and as Mm -hmm. she says throughout the movie there's a moment where he's sitting down with her and she says um he says, do you trust me? And she says, I trust you to do exactly what I know you're going to do. I trust you to have, like, a lot of women. I, I, I know that you love your mother. I know she all says, of these things I trust you to be exactly who you are, which I think is, like, the absolute best way to put it. And, like, is a really, like, it, it's a good moment because you realize that, like, Mia is... She's a lot smarter <laughs> than Darnell. Yeah, yeah. And she knows not only, like, that he is full of bullshit, but she expects it from him, and she doesn't expect him to change. Which I think is, you know, where she should be at, because he hasn't, you know? Um. So... <laughs> So we have him pursuing her. They seem to be. Then we end up in this this horse ride, this horse riding scene where he is like he's trying to turn it into like this romantic moment. She pulls away. She's very guarded. She's dealing with something, and like he basically says, like you know, I don't think you're prepared to be like the woman that I need you to be. And so like, well, the thing that I got from this conversation was that he was giving her shit for not wanting to get physical right away. Yes. And also, but what was weird to me, too, about this is I couldn't I couldn't grasp how long they had been. Yes. Involved. Unclear. It's unclear because when you think about like dating someone and you think about like events and excursions and things like that, it feels like to me, it's like typically for people, um, lesbians aside, um, who famously, you know, uh, move a little bit faster than most. Um it is typically an event like a week or something like that. Like, you know, when you're getting to know someone, especially I imagine like he's busy with the club. She's busy with you know, running her, you know, huge business, it seems. And right. so it's like I imagine that it's like you're probably getting together once a week or so. So I would give them maybe like a month. Yeah. Which, by the way, if you're not ready, you're not ready. It's like there's no amount of time that makes you beholden to a person to like, you know, commit to taking your relationship to a next level sexually. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> of course you know. not. But, like, even still, like, it hasn't been that long. And, like, we are, as human beings, well within our right, um, you know, not to fuck somebody when we don't want to. And she... Uh, uh, 
is not saying to him I'll never have sex with you, but like she could. Like and it's so clear it's 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 the fact that it's never addressed in this movie, and again, this is watching this through uh, the lens mm-hmm. of 2022, but, like, it's never addressed with him that, like, he he thinks he's in the right and allowed to get mad at her for being, like, I'm not ready yet. And he pressures her. He spends the rest of his time with her pressuring her into having sex with him. It is, like, again, not what we call enthusiastic consent. <laughs> Absolutely not. Which um, is what you should be getting in a absolutely. encounter. Absolutely. Yeah, Jane, that's always with Jane, if I ever have tried to, then it's always like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I know that that's like what the... Well, and and that's why I assign every letter to you enthusiastically yours. And that's how I always respond in kind, trepidatiously. <laughs> yeah. And um, that's why we've never slept together. Trepidatiously Unfortunately, tepid. that's the single reason. Oh, God, here we go. Well, they won't, they continues. The Ross and Rachel of our generation. Um, Years and years, back and forth. (laughs) Um, Still lazy (laughs) after all these years. I was still lazy after all these years. I feel like there was something funnier there. Anyway, so that happens, and so we get this back and forth, and you're right. It's like they like it's filmed in a way to make it seem like he's justified for like wanting her to like have sex with him. And then like it, it's not wanting her to have sex with him. It's like they make it seem like he's justified for being angry at her for not having for sex not having sex with him. And then Which like, is like classic like incel behavior. And then he like he, he basically ends it with her, it seems. And then she shows up at the nightclub again, and he, like, he's very cold to her. And, and like, tries to make her jealous by, like, dancing with Mia. Like, he's such an asshole. Yeah, he's a jerk. And she leaves, and then she calls him later that night and invites him to her Malibu property, which is, like, this incredibly gorgeous, like, full-on 1990s fantasy of, like, mm-hmm. a home in Malibu that is still incredible. It just needs a little bit of work to be updated for these days, because this is what I think about now when I watch movies. Absolutely. I'm old, so I think, like, oh, we'd probably move that that out of there. We'll get rid of that peninsula. <laughs> You'd probably want to put freestanding island in we want to get some marble into this game really nice veining let's get this de- these decals off of the windows like <laughs> all of this stuff but it's like a gorgeous home and like in 1995 it's like everything and it doesn't have those shitty 1990s tile grout countertops i'm sorry by the way if anybody has those <laughs> wow brandon they're a nightmare to clean and if you have them you know they are mm-hmm. so Come on, you know what's up. So also, this is unrelated, but it is sort of related. Like, should our podcast is- be called "This Is Unrelated"? But <laughs> I do think we should change the name to "This Is Unrelated." <laughs> <laughs> Apropos to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> we were never talking about this, but let me throw an idea in. <laughs> I love it. Continue. <laughs> um, this has got to be like five in the morning because mm-hmm. this is the same night that she goes to the club. And then there's this scene like they've closed down the club. Yes. Dance clubs usually close at like three or four. Yeah, no, you're right. And then he and then he sits around having drinks with his boys yes. and then heads over to her house. I'm like, yes. this has gotta 
be like five or six a.m. Yeah. I agree. And it's like, gotta be what like do you think he's coming over for? You know what I mean? Like, I feel oh, like he sure. guilt tripped her into this whole scenario. She's like, okay, well, I have to invite him over now. Well, where she like doesn't want to like lose him, you know? Right. Exactly. Um, and he makes he's, her feel like she's going to. That she's going to, and like because men you are know. trash. And he's basically, and he also told her at the club, like, don't waste my time. You know, I'm looking yeah, oh for like, God. you know, and it's just like, okay. Um, all she's basically been saying this whole time is like, there is a moment, and I'm not giving him this, but there is a moment when they're out uh, horseback riding and the fight sort of starts and she says to him, I don't know you. I don't know who you are. Yeah, and I thought, and, she's and I right. thought, like, Ooh, like that's like like what is this? You know, like not like what is you have sex in, but like you need you guys need to talk about that. Like she clearly right. like has trust issues and like maybe she should spend some time figuring that out. But then I guess we don't have a movie. Um right. so <laughs> so do you know, so then she been she she gives in and they do have sex. Um she consent gives in. She gives she consents to it. It's not like she consents to having sex with him, she but she gives. She gives in, though. I mean, she brought him over, being like, she said, like she says to him, like, I know you've been patient, and it's about to pay off. Like she feels she owes this to him. Yes, so, like, absolutely. I would say it is, which is an again, awful way, out of the realm of enthusiastic consent. I'm not saying yeah. he's assaulting her, but like, no, no, no. This isn't a scenario that you like want to have sex with a person. For, like, she's no. Time. She's like, feeling the pressure. Right, and she's exactly. and she's feeling the fear of potentially losing Martin Lawrence, um, which is a funny sentence. Um, so because <laughs> she's like so she's so like, stunning she's and like so beautiful and, and no, so wealthy. Martin Lawrence isn't a bad looking guy, but no. he's definitely goofy looking. No, he's a goober, <laughs> and like and like he's like you know he's like. He's like a manager of a club, and she's like right. this millionaire real estate like mogul who I'm assuming in my mind has multiple properties and like oh I li- sure. you know and has access to like some of like you know like probably like the most top tier dudes in the world. But I think a part of what they're going after too is like he's this salt of the earth guy who reminds her of like you know she says at one point when she's eating the soul food at the, at the from the restaurant oh this takes me back to my roots. I think it's like mm-hmm. he's helping her to like make contact with parts of herself that like for all the things that she has her life is sort of cold and empty and I think that like the mm-hmm. whole thing is oh you're bringing her back to life with your sort of right. you know your simple sort of down to earth like way of life you know mm-hmm. that kind of thing finding joy in the small things finding joy in the small things he's making her laugh a lot which gets you very far mm-hmm. you know and so all of this uh, yeah all of that and then also then after they have sex Martin like goes downstairs and he to call Bobby Brown as you do Bobby and, Bobby and he's like yo man I did it I hit it I hit it I, you know blah 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 and then he, you owe me twenty dollars you owe me $20 all this and then he closes the refrigerator door and she's standing right there of course and then <laughs> like, she says of course of course and then she says what did you hit and he says oh I was calling about a baseball game from 76 and it's like first of all you heard if you heard any part of what he says you know that he's you know that he's talking about like you and you're making the decision to overlook it for some reason. Mm-hmm. But it's like really funny when that happens. And yeah. then, then they go upstairs and you can see like on his face that he knows it's like almost that look of like, I made a deal with the devil. Like I know that yeah. I like, you can I tell this far. is when she, this is actually um, like uh, uh, played very well. And shout out to Lynn Whitfield for like doing this, like really amazing. Like you can kind of tell that something is building before they have sex where she's like 
there's a little more to her story and she does a really good job of being like but you think that she's like this vulnerable woman who's been through a lot and then the second they have sex and the second he like closes the door to the refrigerator and she's there you can tell instantly a flip has been switched a switch yeah. has been flipped. yeah you can I tell well there, you can tell you, you i get what you mean you mean that you can tell that there's something bubbling over the surface and you yes. can there's like you a can, change in her eyes. Like it's a, it's, yes. it's, it's, a, it's like a great, like it is a great actor moment where you're like, she handled this really well. And like, it's, she's yeah. managing to like, give us a little nugget that we're like, Oh, we should be concerned. And it's also like, it's, it's that moment of like, she's fully all in, in this now. Like yeah. she's like completely given over to it. And there's this giddiness. And before mm-hmm. there was always this sort of like guardedness to everything. And mm-hmm. you see that happening and you, and you see, like that she is fully invested in this relationship and you see as men are want to do you see him ready to sort of pull away also because he got he got got the bad he he did it you know he sells he tells t that the sex was amazing but it's you know it's him and so it's like you know I'm, i'm done with this situation now and like then we have like her taking him on the shopping spree. She takes him to these stores. She buys him all these designer clothes. She says to him, I like my men. I don't like my men. What did, what did she say? I wrote it down. I like my man and nothing at all or nothing but the best. Exactly. Which is and one of the like, first things that, Jay, that Dave said to me when we met, I remember. <laughs> um, we were at the bus stop. I'll never forget it. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and then he tore that. away and said, take the bus. Yeah, so this happens. He's, she takes him on the shopping spree. And then we also see, like, they're in the limousine. And they're heading back up to her home. And Again, the height of 90s opulence. In the height of 90s opulence. And they're drinking champagne. And then she mentions to him casually that it is her birthday. Mm-hmm. And she says, you know, why don't you? He says, well, I've got things to do. She says, I, you know. She also says to him, you know, he, one of his big things is, is having a part, like, owning part of this club. And, he, and she says to him, you don't have to worry about this club. I'll buy you any club club you want i'll buy you a club in paris she says new york whatever you want and he says which is too much after spending one night to it's a lot um i would have probably stuck <laughs> around flag. to see where it went but um <laughs> me too <laughs> yeah like oh you got it like that um but like she basically says he says well we can't spend all of our time together and she's like well you know what like drop me off at the house take my limo go run errands handle any business you need to handle and then just come back to the house tonight um it's my birthday i'm gonna prepare like a lovely meal for us which is also like i like that it's your birthday and you have to prepare a meal for yourself but I know. go off um and well, i'm sure she hired someone to do it oh also, for sure she doesn't she doesn't say <laughs> i'm going to prepare lemon. no she's, she's no, like you're come right. she's back like, and hang out with me on my birthday <laughs> oh what it, like what must it be like to just be like wealthy like 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 just come back to the house i've got a private chef coming they're gonna oh prepare God. like a delicious meal for us um Oh, one day. I still got a lot of life to live. I still got a lot of life to live. I got to remember that. Oh, my God. So, grateful for what I have, though. Grateful for what I have, of course. (laughs) Um, (laughs) There are a lot of people with a lot less. But there are a lot of people with a lot more. Uh Uh-huh. I want some of that more. I focus on those people a lot. (laughs) Second Britney reference. (laughs) Give me, give me more. More. Give me more. Give me more. More. Um, so all of that happens and he, so he goes, basically he swings by his house. He, his sister's going to prom. He threatens her prom date to have her back home by midnight. Um, I'm an old man. Also, so I was like, I midnight's increasable. Write- 
I did write down that her prom date walks up and he goes, I'm here to pick up my little snuggle bunny. And I was like, very weird thing to say to your girlfriend's brother. Yeah. Very, very weird. Better than like, I'm here to pick up my slam piece. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess there's. De- there's, there's degrees variations to variations of that absolutely um, but if i w- if one of my siblings um dates said that to me i would be like okay weirdo and i don't think they'd ever met before what if they said like my little cuddle muffin my little would that what? be cuddle muffin no i mean that's just as weird that's just what as if weird. they said my little i'm here to pick up my little butt pirate <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, okay, weirdly homophobic. <laughs> okay. But like, also, I guess it seems like you're on board, so have a good time. Um, it also seems also, like. Also, I don't want to think about any of my siblings having sex, so please don't say that to me. <laughs> yeah. So, and then they'd probably be like, like pirate's booty. No, I meant like, you know, like pirate's booty. That's what they used to call their treasure, pirates, obviously. <laughs> so, did you know that, Jane? I did know that, but I also know that, like, butt pirate is a derogatory term for um, a gay man. I always thought it was a flex, personally, but, um... (laughs) Well, maybe we can rewrite history. Or reclaim it. You do it. You do the work. (sighs) Is that my word? You're exhausted. So, (laughs) so that, and then he, and then Darnell swings by Mia's. Mia's no longer with Reggie, and, like, the two of them basically, like sit down and have like this really sort of adult conversation for the first time about like their relationship. So Brandy is like at her home, she's been left alone. And then like Darnell ends up, you know, in a very platonic way, because apparently he's willing to, um, to accept Mia's boundaries when Mia says that I don't want to have sex. Like, so he ends up spending the night cuddling with her in bed and they include a teddy bear between them just to prove to us that they didn't have sex. And (laughs) he wakes up to a knock at the front door. And also the shot, the the exterior shot right before is you can see the limo driver is still sitting in front of Mia's house in the limo sleeping. Oh my god, I missed that. He's sleeping in the limo in front of the house. So it's like, what is I going mean, on? Hopefully he's clocking time and a half. I know, house. right? I'm sure he's getting time yeah. and a half. I'm sure he's probably, you know, kept on a real <laughs> nice salary. So so Brandy has dropped off. There's a scene. There's a, see, Brandy's in her beautiful outfit. And she's at the house. And, she, and there's a moment where she's got the knife in her hand. And yes. she starts, like, rolling it between her hands, like the handle. And you can see that she's trying to keep... She's trying to keep the, cool. the brandy on the dark side. She's trying to keep mm-hmm. keep her at bay. And she stabs a knife into the cake. It's a really dramatic moment. And she plays it very well. Once again, another she moment does. that could have been over the top and surprisingly isn't. Because it's like, mm-hmm. you see her, like, the struggle. It's actually deliciously, like... Um, Oh, it's high drama. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's like it's It's great. It's great. And like she stabs a cake. And so and he opens the front door and the cake has been left at the front door. And then he's like spooked and he takes a cake and he throws it in the trash. And then he finally goes to Brandy's now and he drops off the knife that was in the cake. And he says like, you know, things didn't work out. And 
Brandy basically says, oh, I was getting bored anyway. And she's yeah, lounging Yeah, Brandy the pool. pretends like it's all good. She's like, whatever, we're done. It's fine. You know, we we had what we had and move on. But then what Brandy does is not move on. She decides to destroy his motherfucking life. Well, well, that happens. And then, like, the next time we see Brandy, she shows up at Darnell's apartment. And she's in the kitchen making breakfast. Um, she's not succeeding, I'd say. She's burning bacon. And there's a light fire. And he wakes up and he runs into the kitchen and he's like what are you doing here and like i think that the turn here okay first of all she's 1000% wrong she broke into his home and of she course. is like but i will say that he's so rude to her and i and it's I, I unbelievable how he speaks to her i know that like I know that she's wrong. I, I am not. I'm not defending her behavior. Like there's something wrong. No, no, but no. There's, of course. But the way that he speaks to her is seems so inappropriate. And like I'm trying to imagine waking up and walking into and being in like this groggy state and seeing smoke in your hallway and probably thinking your house is on fire and like the the chaos of all of these things and then seeing a person who you've ended a relationship with standing in your kitchen smiling gleefully and like making breakfast like nothing's happening pretending like everything is all right like the conversation like that's bad. not that's not great but he's it's just not like great but he's like you need the fuck out of yeah he's like he what the fuck are you doing here he's screaming i feel like in reality you'd actually be a lot more freaked out and be like or like concerned for her state like her like her right, mental well-being her mental like state. what's going on you'd be like what are you doing here how did you get in here how did like, you get into my home this is not a good time. Like we ended things, Brandy. You have to leave. Like and there's none of work. that. Yeah, and he's like, "You fucking psycho bitch, get the fuck out of my house!" And, and it's like, like a tussle. Oh and then like she tries to embrace him, and like he's trying to he he's trying to basically keep her at bay. She's trying to embrace him and hug him, and then he ends up like grabbing her arms and sort of like th- throwing her against the wall. It's he's trying to get her off of him is what's is what's happening in the moment. It's 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 not great in any aspect when you are in a physical altercation with someone that you have dated. He doesn't need to throw her against the wall in the way that he does, but I understand he's trying to get it off, get her off, get her off of him. And this but is he's, where he's too aggressive when he yells at her and he's too aggressive when he throws her off of him. It's all too much. And I think it could have maybe been a little bit easy if there had been a little bit more happening leading up to this point, then yes. maybe it wouldn't have felt quite so drastic. But this but is it like feels the, like it's like zero it comes six. so fast. Yeah. And then this is sort of the moment. And she says, you put your hands on the wrong woman. And this is what sort of sets <laughs> the wheels in motion basically and then cut to brandy filling a stocking oh with with an orange oranges brandy and and beating the shit out of herself that's then we get the next moment which is brandy at home taking stockings putting oranges inside of them and then using and then wrapping that around wrapping the stockings around her hand and beating herself in the face with these with this bag of oranges to bruise herself and it's honestly the campiest moment of this movie, and I it's, love it. It's so over the top. And, <laughs> oh, and then she goes over to, like, a, a shift robe, 
I guess is what you would call it. And she she puts her arm inside of it and she's slamming her arm in the door. Once again, all of this, she plays it so well. Like, yeah, this is, is all, which is it's why it's so high good. camp, by the way. Right. When it's done right, it's high camp. Exactly. She's slamming her arm in the door and grimacing as she does it. And she's so in it. And it's so good. And then Darnell gets a call at the club that Mia... Regina King's character, who he's now in a relationship with, has has been in an accident. He rushes to the hospital, he runs into the room, and it's revealed that it's Brandy, who has assigned herself into the hospital under the name of Mia, I'm guessing. And, like, she calls the police in. She's filed these false domestic violence claims against him. And he's... And she does this thing where she's like, I didn't want to, baby, I'm so sorry. Like, totally, like... As the cops, like, come in and drag him away. cuff him. And it's... It's... It, uh, it's, again, perfect high camp moment. It's perfect high camp. As he's drug out of the room, and she's when, when the moment that the cops are out of sight, she gets this devilish smirk on her face because the plan went according to what it was, as it was supposed to. Without a hitch. Went out without a hitch. <laughs> um, and so that, and then we have her throwing a, she throws a brick through his Nissan Pathfinder windshield. <laughs> Um, and he definitely makes sure to mention that it's a Nissan. That it's a Nissan, which I, is a big deal. They must have paid some money for that. There were, well, as Dave pointed out, they were all Nissan cars. Like she was driving a Lexus at one oh, point, okay. and then um, I'm sorry, one moment. Could you scream again? Infinity. Infinity. She's driving an Infinity. Thank you, David. Uh, I know okay. nothing and about is, cars. Is that a Nissan company? It, yeah, it's it's all Nissan. Okay. Okay. And so, and then there was another car as well. Um, there's the sports car, I think, that Bobby Brown drives at the end of the movie when they're going to Brandy's, him and Mia. Mm. And it's also, an, it's, it's also a Nissan. It's a Nissan. So, so clearly Nissan was a sponsor of this movie. Yeah, they were, they were lining all Marty Mart's pockets. So, <laughs> so then she throws the brick through the windshield. She has a confrontation with Della Reese. Um... It's like a, it's this moment where you know because the brick getting thrown through the window happens in front of Del Reese's home, so they have this confrontation, and she says, you know, basically tells him that you know she says she says to him in a like a in the way that a mother can give you sugar and salt at the same time. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness the Lord was looking out for your stupid ass. And it's like I love like the so pairing. Um, so so all of that, and then like then after that, this happens, and then he goes to report her to the police. His mother tells him to get a restraining order. While she's at the police station, she has the all the tires from his car removed. So like yeah, I don't know how she. The, this is why it's it's wonderful that she has all this money and resources because she can like hire people to do these things. She probably made that limo driver do it. She's oh, I'm sure. Like, she's that like after that is after okay, that little over time. <laughs> yeah, the, like one of the only white characters in the movie. She was like, she's like Gregory. She was like after that stunt you pulled in the Hollywood Hills, helping him. Woo, little Mia, you'll be putting in overtime for me. I need you to do a little job for me. It's gonna be at the police station. Remove the tires from his car. I do um, love the like rant that he goes on when he like discovers his car and he's like, "Where's the fucking justice?" Like, oh yeah, I did the LOL justice at that moment. That it is a really funny, funny moment. Yeah. And so, and then he's you know he's still dating Mia. He Mia doesn't know about all these things that are going on. Um, there's a yeah, moment he's where he's driving around in his car with a windshield, like a huge hole. In it's the got a huge hole in the windshield. He offers Mia a blanket from the back as they're driving he gets a phone in his car phone he gets a call in his car phone and it's Brandy and he pretends like he's on the phone with T and she's Mm -hmm. like get rid of your little girl or I'll take care of it for you (laughs) and 
it's full high drama. And then he decides, like people do in movies when you scream it when you're like young at the screen. I have oh to end God. it. I have to end it with Mia because Brandy told me that she's gonna hurt Mia if I don't. But instead of talking so it's to like Mia martyring about it, yourself. Yeah. For sure. It's like just have a conversation and be like, Hey Mia, this is what's going on, but you know, like I, I you really need to be careful, like blah blah. Instead, he doesn't he's not honest with Mia. He doesn't talk and to her. Breaks up with her and is like, he, yeah. I think things are moving moving too fast. I think we need a break. And it's like, what is this energy? You're just making yourself look worse when you're trying to like repair things with Mia and get her to trust you. So it, yeah. It's yeah, it's really annoying. Did you also this is really random, but Martin randomly had like a bloodshot eye. Like yes, for a I large that. for a large portion. And so it was like you could tell when certain scenes were filmed and it was sort of like I found myself being like, Oh, <laughs> so they filmed this on the same day they filmed that yeah. other one, huh? It was like you know it was out of sequence. So it was like, Wait, or within like a, a couple days probably, because it takes usually a couple days for something like that to clear up. But yeah. I was like, I wonder what happened. I know me too. I wonder if it was an accident on set. Yeah, that's a good question. That's actually a good like, maybe it was. That's maybe a, one of the like random fight scenes or whatever. Maybe like club or something. Something, yeah. That's actually yeah. a a smart a smart way of looking you may be right, Jane. Um I'm brilliant, so <laughs> you're so smart. Um so so all of this has happened. Why he breaks did I feel like that was disingenuous. <laughs> no. Um so he breaks up with Brandy. All this is happening. He's with me. I'm sorry, he breaks up with Mia. And without giving her any sort of and Peaches, of course, my namesake, is giving him the look and she's like, I knew it. I knew it. You're exactly the garbage person I thought you were. And then, you know, uh, then, you know, he's got all this attention on the club. He finds out from Smitty, the owner of the club, that he wants to make him and T partners in the club. And then, like, that night, like, the club inexplicably ends up on fire. It's and so crazy he, how that happened. How that happened. And he shows up at the at the club, you know, after hours. Smitty's there. The firemen are putting the fire out. And he says to Smitty, I know who did it. And then Smitty's like, who? And he's like, stop, Smitty, stop. I know who he did was, it. Okay, so this is where things really start to unravel for me in this movie because I'm like... <laughs> there's like zero explanation for this. So it's like, it all happens really fast. Like the end of this movie is so fucking rushed in my opinion. And like, it starts with this fire because all he does is show up to the club, see the fire. He talks to Smitty and he, he literally goes, I think I know who did it. I got it handled. And he just like runs away and does give Smitty no information and heads straight to Brandy's house. And it's like, no, under no circumstances would an owner of this club who has information about how this fire started, like, be able to just, like, leave this scene and get it handled. Like, you would have to speak to the cops. Like, there'd be so much to do. Well, you want Yeah, there are channels to go through. Exactly. And if I was Smitty, I would be fucking pissed. Well, I'd be like, what, like, how did you, what did you do? Like, how, like, how have you involved me and my business in this nonsense? Yeah. So he shows up at Brandy's house. While this is going on, T gets wind of what's going on. T goes to Mia's and he basically explains to Mia what happened with Darnell and the fact that the only reason he broke up with her was to protect her from Brandy. So, so T and Mia head up to Malibu to Brandy's home as well. Which is crazy to me that he's, like I'm just gonna show up at Brandy's house a woman who's capable of doing all of these horrible things to me lighting you know starting a fire which like could have resulted in 
death to like people she doesn't even oh, yeah. know. Well, it was Greg the limo driver, but yeah, he's a <laughs> exactly. But like, so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go straight into the lion's den. Like, it makes no sense that he would just like. Show up at her home unannounced. Show up at her home with no backup, no plan, nothing. He's just, like, headed out there, and he just sees pure rage in his eyes, so he's got to go confront her, I guess, which is And he, like, yeah, him barging in, and then, like, she's waiting for him with a vase in her hands, and she slams Mm -hmm. it over his head, and then she, you know, handcuffs him, and this is when she delivers that... That monologue. And I also want to point out one more thing. We were talking about the scene when she's frying the bacon and burning it at the house and Mm -hmm. they have their confrontation. And the other thing that I noted to Dave last night is I was like, the funny thing about this, and he was so upset with her and she crossed lines. Absolutely. But Mm -hmm. it was funny to me because I was like, she's basically you set up a precedent in this relationship by repeatedly ignoring her attempts to end it or to or to stop it from happening. She Mm -hmm. repeatedly told you she wasn't interested and you got progressively more and more aggressive you right. you found her information through looking her up um, her license plate you mm-hmm. then you deposed as like a buyer for a home that you couldn't afford under false pretenses and had no intent of even trying to buy just to get time with her you have set up a precedent between the two of you that boundaries don't exist so for exactly. her to do this she is just she is literally She's just fulfilling the promise that you made earlier in this movie and like she is just existing within the parameters that you set which is that there are no parameters which is that there are no boundaries so all right. she's done is what you did and she only did it one time you did it multiple times and then you had the nerve to be upset with her because it's like oh do we accept no now in the relationship because before it was I guess you're the only one who's afforded boundaries yeah you're the only one who's afforded boundaries you're the only one who gets to say when this is over because when I tried to tell you multiple times that it was over that wouldn't suffice and you kept pursuing me and that was adorable and chivalrous and when I decide (laughs) that I want to keep this whole thing going then I am met with like vitriol and And I'm a crazy bitch and I'm a crazy bitch but like I mean yeah this isn't his his wrongest moment (laughs) to be fair she's done some unforgivable things but it's but it is just like it's interesting like when when no actually means no and it appears to only be when the man says it so that's exactly um so so now he's at brandy's home and she has a gun on him um and she's got him (laughs) handcuffed and she rallies against like you know she makes some very good points she makes some very cogent (laughs) arguments and she rallies against you know this performance of manhood and Mm. she basically like you know takes him upstairs at gunpoint makes him like you know get in this bath she shoots him she shoots him him really quickly she shoots him in the shoulder because he well he doesn't get in the bathtub when she tells him to and so she's (laughs) she she says get in the bathtub and he gets two seconds to do it and then she says get in and she shoots him um (laughs) she's done playing around she's done playing games um and so then that's when Mia and T show up Bobby Brown gets taken out really early in the fight which I'm sure he loved because he probably was like that was probably a quick day for him she just (laughs) hits him in the head with the butt of the gun and he's out on the floor he's done and then it's her and Mia going at it Mm -hmm. and she gets she brings Mia up to the bedroom up to the bedroom and then there's a big tussle and then all three of them fly through the window the window breaks and they all fly into the pool and this is the first scene of the movie. The first scene yes. of the movie is the three of them falling into the pool. And now we we finally see it in actual context, what has happened. The three of them are, are in the pool, floating. It's the classic screenwriting loop around where you start. I bet you're wondering how I ended up here. 
Exactly. Yeah. And then and, you uh, finally go through the whole movie and then two thirds um, through the movie back to, or in this case, like the very end. Yeah. The very end. You get back to where you started. And, and they're all bloody and broken in the pool. They're all bloody and broken in the pool. And then they're at the hospital, and he's recovering. And Mia doesn't have a scratch on her. She's in this cute little sundress. <laughs> yep. And and they're still together. And she's, um, she's, uh, she's like, I'm in the military. I'm good. Um, <laughs> yeah. I've jumped out of planes before. So, yeah, I was okay falling <laughs> out of that second-story window in the mansion of Malibu. Into, into a soft pool. Exactly. Um, so, so they're together, and then we get really briefly. It seems like Brandy went to jail, but then we see that Brandy's out of jail. The last shot is Brandy on like the roof of a building she probably owns, yeah. and he says, well, "Before they let her out, they better damn sure make sure they fix her heart." And yeah. it's like, yeah, just don't be a piece of shit. Um, yeah. So it, it, just, it all wraps up so so, so neatly. <laughs> And I and I was like, I bet, and I was and thinking like, I bet Brandy pled down to something mm-hmm. less than like even like assault. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure she and, had very expensive lawyers. Yeah, she had very expensive lawyers. I'm sure she was out in no time and probably back to running her like multi million dollar you know business and still being beautiful mm-hmm. and whatever. Um, she's got some stuff she's to work on. No lie. Yeah, she certainly has she's, a personal journey that she needs to. There's some soul searching that needs to happen. Yeah, yeah. In, in the name of Vonda Shepard. I mean, she's been searching her soul tonight. Um, <laughs> love a Vonda Shepard. I love Vonda. We're, Vonda, if you're listening, you know, we're, all, we're here. We're here, though. And we're ready. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. And then Darnell's the, a better man, I guess. Uh, uh, according to who? <laughs> according to Darnell. According to Darnell, who started out being very proud of who he was, so exactly. So it's real. <laughs> the it's transformation really a, wasn't what I would say a large one. It's, it <laughs> hasn't been a journey. It's been like a short jaunt to where he yeah. is now. And in um, a lot of sense, he probably feels more right about all of his choices because he justified. Because it's like I feel like the main thing he takes away is like, man, I knew she was crazy, and it's like, yeah, she was, but like she had a little help from you. Yeah, exactly. Um, she was not. Not the only person in the wrong in this scenario. Yeah, she's, I feel yeah. like you are not going to benefit on a personal growth level because you're not going to go back and look at that. Well, because you know, because going to see what she did wrong. The story is going to continue to be, oh my god, like this crazy chick I did. You won't believe what she did, and it's like I exactly. hope a couple people are like, hey, what what happened with you though? What'd yeah. you do? <laughs> exactly. Let's, what was your so what, what was, was that your last stake in all of this? <laughs> yeah, so there was a birthday party you mentioned briefly. So. She thought you were going to be back. Did you make it back that night? Or did you sleep with Mia and keep her limousine and force her to celebrate her birthday alone? I'm not saying that somebody missing your birthday is a reason to, like, to carry them at gunpoint up to a balcony. None of... There's no reason to do that. But, you know, there's certainly reasons to be angry at Darnell. And I think we have a lot of them. Yeah, no. He's not a a perfect man. Let's put it that way. Um, (laughs) So that is the end. I have a question for you, though, Jane. Yeah. Did you enjoy the film? I did. I did enjoy watching the movie. I don't think it's a great movie, but I had fun watching it. It's not a great film, but it's fun. It is fun. I enjoyed it. Like, I and I thought it was I fun. And it's fun to see, like, you know, '90s Regina King. And, oh my god, one hundred percent. And I love really Lynn good. Lynn Whitfield. She's one of my favorite actresses. And I mm-hmm. thought this would be a really great opportunity to like to have her be a conversation point on the podcast. Absolutely. And, so, and I yeah. was so surprised to see Bobby B. I did not. Bobby know. B. 
I forgot Bobby was in the movie until it started. I was like, oh, that's right. Bobby Brown's a best friend. Um, And my second question is, would you watch this movie again? Um, I would watch this movie again, but like many of the... Um, like we always say, I would love to watch this with you again. Fair. Yeah, I I agree. I heard a rumor that you maybe had a movie that you wanted me to watch. I did. I do. And the rumors are true. (laughs) Oh, the rumors are true. (laughs) They're true. They're true. In the name of Lizzo. Okay. Uh, Strap in. (laughs) Are you strapped in? Yeah, no, absolutely. Always. Um, so this movie, I'm, I've been like really excited to give you because I found out recently that you hadn't seen it a few weeks ago when we were recording and I wanted to assign it to you right then and there but I couldn't abandon my plans I had to go forward as um, a good soldier does but this movie that I'm going to make you watch for next week is called Center Stage okay <laughs> it's gonna be fun. It's so, gonna be a f- so I've never seen this movie before. I do know this is a okay. really this is a deep cut. Okay. Because I do remember. So when I was in high school, I went to mm-hmm. like a theater. I was in a theater magnet program, and mm-hmm. we used to our director. Um, was just a mess of a person. And he used to make us do a lot of plays that he wrote. And one of the plays that he wrote was this play called Dinosaurs. Um, and the Soars was spelled S-O-R-E-S. So Dino-Soars. And the premise of the play was that, like, it was about this group of dinosaurs. But when you got... But as you matured, you developed sores. That was like the scales that developed on your skin that meant you were like, I guess, coming into like adulthood. And so everybody wanted to get their sores or something like that. It was a mess. But I remember that the lead in the play, my friend Robin, she did a dance routine. And I think it was to a song from Center Stage. Like her character, she played Dinah, which also her name was Dinah, like D-I-N-A-H. To connect to dinosaurs, I guess. Oh Dino, God, the dinosaur. Is, there's some bad writing out there. It was really bad. And she had to do... <laughs> and she did a dance routine to a song. It was like... And we're dancing and it feels alright. And I remember her doing a dance routine to that song from Center Stage. She picked the song that she was doing the dance routine to. And I remember it was the song. And I remember everybody being like, this is from Center Stage. How cool. And like, I I never saw it. But I've always, that was, that was 20 years ago is what that was, folks. And And I remember that song. So I guess the longevity, the legacy of Center Stage. The legacy. I remember the song like it was yesterday. Um, I played her dad, if anybody's curious. I always had to play the parental figure. And I had to give, and she falls in love with, my friend played Rip the Sabertooth Tiger from down the street. And she's a dinosaur, and I don't want her to be in love with a Sabertooth Tiger. And I had a monologue that I had to deliver about Rip the Sabertooth Tiger. And it was so difficult. My friend Shayna played my wife, and we both we knew it was bad. But I would have to deliver this monologue, walking around the table with this huge dinosaur tail on. And I remember I would sometimes knock stuff off the stage because the tail was too big. And I would be like, "For the longest I've been alive, dinosaurs and saber-toothed tigers have never mixed." And Shayna playing my wife had lines that she had to deliver, and she would just deliver them staring at the table because she was laughing so hard because we thought. 
you know, it was all a joke to us, including the director. And I just remember being 15 years old and like we we knew it was nonsense. And so anyway, oh all of that to say, I'm excited about watching Center Stage for the first time. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. It's um, a lot less dinosaurs than okay. um, I think that play, but it is a great movie. So Oh, okay. I'm excited. <clears throat> yeah. So thank you guys for bearing with us, listening us, listening to us um, talk about our Valentine's Day pick, A Thin Line Between Love and Hate. If you want to continue to follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Movies We Missed and join the conversation at Twitter. Um, you can find us at MWM Chat over there. And we cannot wait to see you next week for Center Stage. So thank you guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. I knew it. I knew it. You're exactly the garbage person I thought you were. Played by Bobby Brown. The two of them are outside. They see Bobby the walk. Bobby B. Oh God! Here we go. The will they won't they continues. The Ross <laughs> and Rachel of our generation. Um, <laughs> years and years back and forth. <laughs> um, 